0: Good evening. How are you guys doing? You guys doing all right? Yeah? It's Wednesday, halfway through the week. And, um, yeah, so what's new? What's new, Modesto? (laughs) No? Valentine? Lou? What's going on? Nothing new? Nothing new under the sun. Who said that? Solomon. Solomon said that, yeah, there's nothing new under the sun, and it's quite warm under the sun in sunny Southern California, isn't it? Um, we were able to go after, after church on Sunday to the beach and uh, enjoy some cooler weather. It's pretty amazing how, how cooler it is there than it is here. I mean, we're talking about like a, at least a 20-degree difference. And uh, so it was very pleasant, very refreshing. And uh, what was that dono place? Sidecar? Is that what it is? Sidecar donuts? Yeah. So we went there and uh, enjoyed a um, maple and bacon donut. I didn't have the whole thing, so just so you know. I <laughs> but it was just part of one, and then I shared it with my wife. And so that's what we did, and hung out at Newport Beach um, for a little bit. Just kind of got out of the heat for a moment, and then came back. And uh, and here we are. But uh hope, hope your week is... Uh, Going good right now. We're going to take a moment out of our busy schedules and uh, just take a moment to to sit at the Lord's feet, um, to draw from His Word, and uh, how sweet it is to uh, to do so. Uh, to be able to um, just place our our ears, so to speak, on uh, you can say on the shoulder of the Lord and, and hear those uh, dear, intimate whispers that He um, He speaks to us. And through His Word, and uh, they're meant for us uh, corporately here, but uh, more importantly, they're they're uh, meant for us individually, and uh, and that's what I hope that each and every one of you always come with um, just that anticipation that the Lord is speaking to you uh, personally, and He will if that's what you're you're looking for. If you pay attention to it, that's exactly what the Lord will do. And so, this evening, we are continuing our study through the book of Numbers, and we are in chapter 8. We're going to be going over both chapters 8 and 9, so it won't be, it's not a, kind of a, nothing of an introduction, only that that's what we're going to be going over. The few things that we're going to be covering is, number one, the lighting of the seven lamps, uh, the cleansing of the Levites, the Levites, um... Uh, withdrawing, um, we would kind of see it as perhaps uh, similar to retirement. The Passover celebrated for the first time after a year of being in the wilderness. And the cloud covering the tabernacle, the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day. And how it is that the Israelites responded to that covering. And uh, so that's what we're going to be going over. So let's pray and we'll get right into uh, the scriptures. Father... We thank you, Lord, that we can come this evening and uh, truly be refreshed by your word. Your word tells us that men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. And so I pray, Father, that your spirit would give us understanding. That, Lord, anything that we perhaps have been distracted by up to this day, up to this moment, Father, that you would help us to put that off to the side and focus solely on you. In the words that you will be speaking to us, I pray, Father, that we would not only kind of hear, but that we would listen, that we would heed, applying to our own lives, that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to obey, and feet that would walk these truths out in our own lives to your glory. And so, Lord, we commit this evening into your hands, Lord. We thank you. We ask for your blessing, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So the seven lamps, let's start out there in Numbers chapter 8, verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and say to him, when you set up the lamps, the seven lamps shall give light in front of the lampstand. And Aaron did so. He set up its lamps in front of the lampstand as the Lord commanded Moses. And this was the workmanship of the lampstand, hammered work of gold. From its base to its flowers, it was hammered work according to the pattern that the Lord had shown Moses, so he made the lampstand. So the, the making of the lampstand, we covered that back in Leviticus chapter, or actually Exodus chapter 20, 25, verses 31 through 36. And then verse 37 says this. Exodus 25, 37 says, you shall make seven lamps for it, that is for the lampstand, and the lamps shall be set up so as to give light on the space in front of it. The lampstand itself was not designed to give light. It was actually designed to be the very item, the piece of furniture upon which the lamps were placed that would give light. It was an item which you could say propped up or exalted the light up a little more and made the light visible now these lamps they were fueled with this oil the oil needed to be maintained the lamps continuously filled and and maintained the wicks trimmed all of that would be the work of the priests they would go in and do these things to make sure that this lamp was continually giving light reminded me of revelation chapter 1 verse 20 which says is for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches exodus chapter 25 verse 40 says and see that you make them after the pattern for them which is being shown you on the mountain this was when god was showing moses the exact pattern that they were to build the tabernacle and all the furnishings and the utensils and everything. It was, it was in great detail. And we see that in Exodus. And then if we go to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5, it says, They serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent... He was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. And this was speaking of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. Therefore, as it would apply to the church today, being the very lampstands described in Revelation chapter 1, verse 20, the church would be the platform upon which the light of the world would be seen. You could say, in a very real sense, that the church is here to exalt the light of the world. That is Jesus Christ. His name is to be exalted above all others. And that is by doing the works, doing those things which please the Lord, that glorify Him, that bless others by blessing Him. It's faith in action, it's giving God His due praise and His worship. With our very lives, being living sacrifices. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, it says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And the question is, what is a good work? Because if you ask the world today the definition of a good work, they'll give you all kinds of uh, answers to that question. Uh, A lot of it is basically um, good works towards mankind, um, doing good around the community, doing things like that. Although it, it can be good work, it's not what is defined by the word of God. A good work as it pertains to the church is that which is done in faithful obedience to the word of God. John 14, 15, Jesus said, he spoke, these are his own words. He says, if you love me, you will obey or keep my commandments. And so we know that those are actually good works. The others may be out of um, different motives. We may do them for different reasons. But regardless of our will, regardless of what we perhaps want to get out of the work that we're doing. If we're doing it in obedience to the Lord, in true sincerity and genuineness of our love toward Him, these are the things that glorify and bless the Lord. The church glorifies God in this manner, but it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the one thing, not by might nor by power, but by, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts, right? Sometimes we try and do things in our own effort. And quite frankly, if we're doing it in our own strength, in our own effort, we, many times we fall flat on our face, don't we? It, it doesn't last for very long. But, but when we come to the place to where we understand that everything that we do to glorify and please the Lord is that which is done in the Spirit, then it kind of takes the burden off of us. It places it on the Lord because He's the one that comes alongside us. He's our helper. And he helps us in that he will, he will ordain the steps that we take. He will give us the strength to take those steps. He will even, with great detail, give us the way in which we are to glorify him. It's all set out right in front of us. So we come across different situations. We have the wisdom, which comes from the word of God, which means that we have the knowledge and know how to apply it. We apply it by his strength, his spirit, and we walk it out. And so, the, the only reason why we would be overwhelmed and stressed much of the time is because we're trying to do it in our own strength. Because we ourselves would will it to be something other than what it is. That's the only reason why we're stressed. I hear it all the time. We're, we're stressed about this or that. Why are, why are you stressed? Why are you overwhelmed? If you're doing it God's way, you shouldn't be stressed. Are you full? Yes, yes. That's by the way. That's not the same as being stressed. If you have a full schedule, quit saying that you're stressed out, (laughs) because it's not the same. I, I I know. I know very well what it means to have a full schedule. And I tell you that if if I'm if I'm walking in the spirit, I'm not stressed out. I'm just busy. That's all I am. So, the Lord helps us. The Lord lifts our burdens. His yoke is easy, and we walk it out, and we glorify the Lord. We must consistently be tended to and filled by God's Spirit through God's Word and prayer. We need to submit to His Word. We need to get into His Word on a regular basis. We need to be in prayer all the time. Pray without ceasing is what the word tells us. There's a reason why. It's because as we're coming to the Lord in prayer, as we pray, we're asking for the Spirit to give us that utterance. Lord, we want to pray according to your will, not our will. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As as it's been ordained in heaven, let it be done so on earth. So as we pray that, we, we have to be seeking his Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And seeking the Lord's will in our lives. And so what we see here is these lampstands. They were put together. It's beautiful in the the exact way that Moses was shown on the mountain. That is on Mount Sinai. As he met with the Lord. It was a beautiful work completed by uh, a gifted artisan. That is someone who was gifted to make things with his hand. As God showed it to him. That is to Moses he passed along to those who were responsible for making these lampstands and the lamps. And so it was on earth as it was in heaven. Then we have the cleansing of the Levites. Verse 5, as we continue, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the Levites from among the people of Israel and cleanse them. Thus you shall do to them... Uh, due to them, to cleanse them, sprinkle the water of purification upon them and let them go with a razor over all their body and wash their clothes and cleanse themselves. And we're going to stop right there just for a second because then we go into the dedication. This is the cleansing of the Levites. Aaron and his sons had their ceremonial dedication in Leviticus chapters 8 and 9. And here what we see is a dedication or going into the dedication of the Levites. And I believe that there's something to say about a proclaimed dedication to the service of the Lord. It's this public proclamation of being a servant of the Lord. Because even though the Levites had the more practical side to serving the Lord, in comparison to the priests, they still needed to be dedicated unto the Lord. Just the same. It wasn't any different as far as their commitment and their dedication to serving the Lord. Practical service requires the same heart of dedication. It requires the same level, you could say, of consecration. That is, the whole thing, 100%. It's not 50%, it's 100%. Completely being consecrated or set aside for the Lord's service. I was thinking if, um, if it doesn't happen this way, if there isn't this full dedication and commitment to the Lord, a personal decision to completely, wholly be consecrated unto the Lord, these are some of the things that could come up in our lives. Number one, some people think that it's optional. Secondly, People treat their responsibilities lightly. Thirdly, people think less of the practical work in serving God. And fourthly, people don't think you have to be as committed to reading, praying, and studying the Word of God in these roles of practical service unto the Lord. And let me tell you that although we serve in different roles within the church, I mean, we sung that very, those, those words to the, these songs. One of them said that we, we all do our part. Each and every one of us. There's not one part within the body that's less important than the other. They're all equally important, they're just different. That's all. We are all called to be students of the Word of God. Not just the pastor, not just the elders, not just the leaders. We are all called to be students of the Word of God. So, if we don't make this personal commitment and and allow ourselves to be completely set aside for the service of the Lord, then we kind of sometimes, most of the time, half-heartedly actually serve Him and live for Him. We're not given fully to Him. And the Lord said, if you're not for me, you're against me. You may be a child of the Lord... But you're kind of just sanitary. You're you're clean, but you're not really being effective. You're not being given to the Lord. And so, these, uh, these men, these Levites, they were going through this process. Now, for... For us we can look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do all to the glory of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says for we are we we all of us are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In Colossians chapter 3 verses 23 and 24 it says whatever you do work heartily not hardly but heartily. As for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. And with this said, there was this sprinkling of water, of purification upon the Levites. And it gives us a picture of being cleansed of sin. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 25 says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols wouldn't that be wonderful you know if you were sprinkled with water and that that was indeed what took place now of course this is symbolic being baptized in the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ we become new in Christ god shifts our hearts of stone and gives us hearts that are soft and pliable of flesh, right? And he puts his word in our heart. And it's pretty amazing what it is that we become as we believe on Jesus Christ, that he is the son of God, that he died for our sins. And it is by his blood that we are cleansed of our sins, we are forgiven in full our past, present and future sins. And so the Lord commanded them to shave their entire body, not only be sprinkled with this water. Right. But also to shave their entire body. Now, leprosy is illustrative of sin. We've covered that and its effects. And it was commanded that the person who has been healed of leprosy show themselves to the priests and go through a ceremonial cleansing, which included shaving their entire body, which signified being made new, starting all over again. And we may see this as being born again in Jesus Christ. This symbolism is not something that is insignificant. It illustrates the seriousness of both the priest's roles and the Levite's roles in the service of the Lord. This is why the person who's serving the Lord needs to understand why they're serving the Lord and ultimately who they are serving. It's a full commitment. It's a full dedication. And it is truly an honor to serve the king. That's why... You know, I I say, listen, you got to, hey, listen, let your yes be yes. You commit, you serve the Lord, you do it with honor, you respect that place that you have come into serving the Lord within the body, and you honor it. That's how we bless the Lord in all of us, um, each and every one of us, this has to apply to, to where we, we give our service unto the Lord 100%. And we do it. And hopefully we're doing it with joy. We're not doing it out of, you know, uh, because we have to, because we have something to check off. It's, it's because we're honored and we feel privileged even to serve the Lord in whatever manner we are called to. Now we have the dedication of the Levites as we continue on in verse eight and go all the way down through 13. So, Then let them take a bull from the herd and its grain offering, a fine flour mixed with oil, and you shall take another bull from the herd for a sin offering, and you shall bring the Levites before the tent of meeting and assemble the whole congregation of the people of Israel. When you bring the Levites before the Lord, the people of Israel shall lay their hands on the Levites, and Aaron shall offer the Levites before the Lord as a wave offering from the the people of Israel, that they may do the service of the Lord." Then the Levites shall lay their hands on the heads of the bulls, and you shall offer the one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering to the Lord to make atonement for the Levites. And you shall set the Levites before Aaron and his sons and shall offer them as a wave offering to the Lord. Um, I have to say that this is an interesting dedication ceremony. Aaron offers the Levites before the Lord, but, but here's what happens. The Levites are brought before the tent of the meeting, but but they're not the only ones that are brought before the tent of meeting. It's also the whole congregation that's brought before the tent of meeting. That is the tabernacle. Not only to witness the ceremony, but also to take part in the ceremony. They actually are called to lay their hands on the Levites. All of them, right? Can you imagine just... Hands upon shoulders, upon shoulders, upon shoulders, upon shoulders. I mean, how many many were in the congregation at this point? You guys know? A couple hundred, a couple thousand, a couple million. A lot. A lot. And they were all called to lay their hands on the Levites, to bless them and pray for them. That's what this is. As we're called to gather around our our brother, a a brother or a sister, we're called for several reasons, but oftentimes it's to pray for them. We lay hands on them, we pray for them. For a blessing, for a healing, for direction, for wisdom, for all of these things, but we lay hands on them. That is that they are dedicated, ultimately they are dedicated unto the Lord. And what we see here is that Aaron then offers the Levites before the Lord as a wave offering from the people for them. That is, for them, the Levites, to do the work of the Lord, to serve the Lord. I think it's an interesting and amazing acknowledgement by the people as the Levites are given to God to serve him. And as we remember the way the wave offering works is that it is, there's a reason why it's called the wave offering, right? It's way before the Lord. It's because it's an offering to him. It, it's, we're saying, hey, this is your portion. This belongs to you. And that's what, in essence, the people are saying. We have asked for your blessing, for your anointing to be on these, on these servants of yours. And after we do this, we give them over to the priest. And they are to bring them before you and offer them to you. And again, I believe that this illustrates the importance of serving the Lord in the right manner. I mean, after they are then offered to the Lord by Aaron as a wave offering for a service, uh, they lay their hands on the heads of the bulls, one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. Why? It's not just uh, this ritual, just because they have to go through it. We have to do these things. We have to offer a burnt offering and a sin offering, and you know, we have to do all these things. We just kind of go through it. No, no, no. There's a reason why they're going through this. As they lay their hands on the heads of the bulls, they are transferring their sin onto the sacrifice. There's a need for them to have clean hands and pure hearts before the Lord, before they even serve Him. And that's why I say that this illustrates the importance of serving the Lord in a right manner. Ourselves being right before the Lord, having the blood of the sacrifice cover the servant's sins before serving. Before serving. So that's the dedication of the Levites And then we have verses 14 through 19, a separation of them for service from the rest of the Israelites. Verse 14, as we continue, Thus you shall separate the Levites from among the people of Israel, and the Levites shall be mine. And after that, the Levites shall go in to serve at the tent of meeting, when you have cleansed them and offered them as a wave offering. For they are wholly given to me from among the people of Israel. Instead of all who open the womb, the firstborn of all the people of Israel, I have taken... Them for myself. For all the firstborn among the people of Israel are mine, both of man and of beast. On the day that I struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I consecrated them for myself, and I have taken the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the people of Israel. And I have given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and his sons from among the people of Israel, to do the service for the people of Israel at the tent of meeting and to make atonement for the people of Israel, that there may be no plague among the people of Israel, when the people of Israel come near the sanctuary. Now, the Levites being regarded as the firstborn of Israel, of being received in their place, was covered back in Numbers chapter 3, verses 40 through 51. We covered that. So, I'm not going to cover that, we can always go back to that if we want to reference it. But I do want to draw your attention to the fact that uh, of several things here. Number one, God considered the Levites as being a gift to Aaron and his sons as they were separated for the work of the tent of meeting. It, it's, it's always a gift when more and more people come alongside those who are already serving. It, it's truly a gift. It's encouraging. It stirs us up. Um, there 's this fire that 's continually kindled it 's like it 's like um it, the fire just flames you know builds up and, and it 's truly beautiful and so that 's why you see sometimes as you see more and more people come alongside and serve and are dedicated to serving the Lord, what it does for the body is um, it, amazing things and it 's something that is that is truly if it's, if it's a good work, it's truly done in the right spirit, that is a capital S. It's walking according to his will, and people get excited. You see the hand of the Lord moving, and it's truly wonderful. It's not only a blessing to the body, but for those who are watching from the outside in, I mean, it gets them excited too. It's like, wow, look what's going on. That is truly wonderful. And it blesses the Lord. Secondly, the Levites' work was for the people's sake. That's covered in verse 19. "And, And I have given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and his sons from among the people of Israel to do the service for the people of Israel at the tent of meeting. So it's for the sake of the people. See, in God's economy, serving in the church is truly upside down in the eyes of the world. Um, if, you're, if you're in the world, um, the, the higher you go, the more people you have basically serving you. And in the church, it's quite different. <laughs> it's really different. And that is that he who wishes to be first... To be last isn't that' serving everyone right and that's why sometimes I think pastors have it all backwards some pa- I'm not saying all'm saying we can get it really messed up we can get it really wrong you know we can get to a place to where we think that everyone should be serving us and you know did you save me a place you know and all all kinds of stuff that we we think that we're entitled to and it shouldn't be that way we should be actually the chief servants of the church being willing to sacrifice and be being willing to do those things that really no one else is willing to do to shepherd the people to come alongside and disciple them to be those people who are willing to do do that and my son is here and he can he can tell you that as as a pastor I'm called out uh, times I'm called at different times and uh, texted and you know we go back and forth i give out my my phone number and and we can can go back and forth i i love that i love that and and it's something that reminds me you know uh of the very thing that god has called me to do and that is to shepherd to serve you that's what we are to do there's a lot of ranchers out there and not enough shepherds that is ranchers that are have lots of land and lots of cattle and lots of help that are doing the work. But uh, you get the point. I think we need more shepherds. We need more pastors that are just willing to roll up their sleeves and, and do the work. Thirdly, the Levites' work for the people's sake goes into number three, which is the Levites' work was to make atonement for the people so that, so that they could approach the sanctuary. The whole the whole reason they were called alongside Aaron and his sons, the priesthood, was to do this work for the sanctuary, for the tabernacle, for the people, so that they could draw near to the Lord. Like, wow, that's awesome. I mean, that should be that really should be our work. Is that as we as we serve one another? You know, Christianity is a a one another type of a relationship within the body. And as we consider others of more value than we do ourselves, really the whole thing is drawing them closer to come closer to the Lord. That's what we are to do. The word spoken, Jesus known, and that's why we have that catchphrase because I know that as the word is spoken, as it is taught, as it is explained, that you are being drawn closer to the Lord, that he's being revealed to you, and you're drawing close to him. That was the that was whole work of the, of the Levites. And that was to make atonement for the people so that they could approach the sanctuary. And by the way, this work was to commence immediately after they had been dedicated. Hey, listen, we've gone through the ceremony, we've gone through all that We've had you dedicated, We've, uh, you're, you're sanctified, consecrated unto the Lord, get to work. <laughs> it's like, don't, don't sit down and celebrate too long because there's work to be done. There's a whole reason why you were called, and it takes great work. Now, this work that they were doing over and over and over again, this work was finished in Christ Jesus on the cross. In Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 through 23, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So we have this New Testament conclusion and fulfillment in Jesus Christ of the very thing, of the very work that the priesthood was given to in that day. And it was a shadow of the substance The substance being found in Jesus Christ. The Levites' whole work was to provide the means by which the people could come near to God. And that was commanded and set up by God by the shedding of blood. Now, we see in verse 20 uh, the obedience to God's commandments. Verse 20 says, Thus did Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the people of Israel to the Levites according to all that the Lord commanded. Moses uh, uh, concerning the Levites, the people of Israel did to them, and the Levites purified themselves from sin and washed their clothes and Aaron offered them as a wave offering before the Lord, and Aaron made atonement for them to cleanse them. And after that the Levites went in to do their service in the tent of meeting before Aaron and his sons, as the Lord had commanded. Moses concerning the Levites, so they did to them. So, not much there except for to come to understand that they followed through with everything that the Lord had commanded them to do. They did everything. Just as we have gone through in detail in the previous verses, now we see here in in these that they have completed that which God had commanded. And then, verse 23. It says, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This applies to the Levites, from twenty five years old and upward, that they shall come to do duty in the service of the tent of meeting. And from the age of fifty years they shall withdraw from the duty of the service and serve no more. They minister to their brothers in the tent of meeting by keeping guard, but they shall do no service. Thus shall you do to the Levites in assigning in assigning their duties. So, according to Numbers, back in chapter four. The age of service was to begin at the age of you guys remember what the age was? It was thirty, the age of thirty. And then it would extend to the age of fifty. Once the men would reach that age then they were to they were to withdraw from the service that they were given to at the age of thirty. Well why why is there a difference there? And the answer is this, and that is that there was a five-year apprenticeship program that they were given to. So at the, at the age of 25, they would be given to being understudies and training to do the very work that they were going to do for 20 years. And so that's why we have the age of 25 here in Numbers and in uh, Numbers chapter 8 and back in chapter 4, we have the age of 25. But... This, and I'm just going to put it in quotes, this quote-unquote retirement is, was not really retirement as we've come to know it in America. They were simply to withdraw from uh, withdraw their hands, you could say, or their hands-on work in the tent of meeting, and they were to continue their service in a different way. It's not like, well, I'm going I'm to go ahead and retire and go to Florida and have a good time, you know. And enjoy that. It, it wasn't that at all. They weren't called to do. They they were to withdraw from that specific work. But they weren't to withdraw from service. They were to continue in their service unto the Lord. How? Well, it says that they were to keep guard. Well, what does that mean? They were to serve as protectors, as counselors, as watchmen, as guides. They were also to serve as teachers. Teachers. How... When we lose uh, the older men and women in the church, uh, it's a sad thing because the people who have been walking with the Lord for a long time, for many years, they have all this experience of walking with the Lord. They've gone through all these things. They are so valuable to the church. And what we need to realize is it's, it's those people that need to pour into the younger people, helping them along. They're, they're the ones that are supposed to be protecting, being the watchmen, being the guides, being the counselors, being the teachers. Those are the people that need to come, come alongside everyone else. In the church, I don't believe there's any such thing as retirement. How do you retire from the body of Christ? Well, you die. That's how you retire. And that's a great retirement. Retirement. You get all the riches, right? You go to be with the Lord for all of eternity. I think Chuck Smith is, is a great example of that. He kept serving and serving and serving. He was just a faithful servant. A faithful servant. I, I remember I, the last conference that I went to and I took a picture with, I, I couldn't pass up that opportunity to go and like, oh, Pastor Chuck, I want to just take a picture with you. I just want to have that moment to where I can look to you know, a great servant of the Lord. And he was, he, was, he was humble. He was a humble man. In fact, he was one that um, if he saw something on the ground, he would pick it up. By the way, he was a man that was, that was on time. <laughs> if, if those who were running the conferences or the retreats or whatever, if it was, let's say, for instance, it was supposed to start at 7, if he didn't see anyone walking up, guess what he would do? He'd make his way up there, and he would start it. (laughs) He was just a servant of the Lord. There There was no retirement. For these men here, at the age of 50, it was not the age of retirement. It was just withdrawing from that specific work. That was it. They were continue in serving the Lord as being guardians. That's what they were to continue in service to the Lord in. And through all of this, we see how God requires the people to act on God's commands and to actively trust Him by obediently following His word and being cleansed, dedicated, and serving Him in the manner in which He commanded. Keep in mind that He was preparing them to occupy the promised land. need to always keep that before us as we're going through these verses. A life of abundance in the promised land required that these things would be observed in obedience to God, in faith and trust in Him. These demanded. Every time that these were observed, as we're going to see the Passover celebrated for the first time, it's an obedience and it's a reminder of who God is in in their lives. And every time we come to the communion table, we're going to see in a few moments that we're reminded of the sacrifice of the Lord and how much He loves us. So let's continue because we're going to cover chapter 9 as well. Verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month of the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Let the people of Israel keep the Passover at its appointed time. On the 14th day of this month, at twilight, you shall keep it at its appointed time. According to all its statutes and all its rules, you shall keep it. So Moses told the people of Israel, that they should keep the Passover, and they kept the Passover in the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at twilight, in the wilderness of Sinai, according to all that the Lord commanded. So, uh, commanded Moses. So the people of Israel did. All right. Stop there for a second. This is the command to observe the Passover. Um, it's been one year since um, they've been delivered from uh, slavery under Egyptian rule. The observance of the Passover was meant to remind the Israelites of the fact that God passed over Israel in the judgment of all of the firstborn as the blood of the Lamb was placed on the doorpost of the entrance of their homes. This was an annual, this was to be an annual observance that reminded them of God sparing them from judgment and delivering them from slavery under Egyptian rule. And even though they were in the wilderness, they hadn't yet gotten to the promised land. They were to keep this observance, this commandment to observe the Passover. Great reminder of hope. It's a great reminder of God's deliverance, of God's power, of God's sovereignty. Of how much God loves them going through the Red Sea and out of slavery and making this journey to the promised land. Now, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Passover sacrifice. In First Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. In John chapter 1, verse 29, it says, The next day, that is, the next day he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And today we're called to remember Jesus' sacrifice on the cross until he comes back. We call it communion, the Lord's Supper. And we're commanded to, to do this often. It's a great remembrance that God loves us and he sent his only begotten son and whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's a time of acknowledging God's sacrifice and rejoicing in our hope in Christ. A time of reflecting also and considering our lives before God. And it is to be considered in our own lives that we've been passed over in judgment. It's, the, the time that we, we spend in communion, it, it, it should be a sobering moment to where we truly understand what we're partaking in. But it's also a time of great hope and celebration. I mean, this is the very thing that God demonstrated his love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He shed his blood for us in our place, on our behalf. Until he comes back, we proclaim his death. That is victory over sin. It's like, hallelujah, hallelujah we have victory over sin in Jesus Christ. And as he rose from the grave, we have victory over the grave. Those are praiseworthy. Those, are, those should be remembered often. Because sometimes, like all the things, all the details, the things that we can do to kind of complicate our lives, and even our faith in, in the Lord, when we come to the communion table, it's like all, all of that, listen... If you confess your sins he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And the only the only way that you could have a relationship with the father is through the son. You have the son, you have the father, you have everything. So that's why we come and we remember these people the Israelites they were to remember the Passover. Oh how wonderful it was. They were commanded to do that every year. to be considered, to be remembered, and to praise and worship the Lord. Now, the following section, is, I, I think, is amazing, and you'll see why. There were these unclean men that approached um, Aaron, Moses, and asked him this question. And let's go into it, let's continue, verse 6. And there were certain men who were unclean through touching a dead body so that they could not keep the Passover on that day. And they came before Moses and Aaron on that day, and those men said to him, We're unclean through touching a dead body. Why are we kept from bringing the Lord's offering at its appointed time among the people of Israel? And Moses said to them, Wait, that I may hear what the Lord will command concerning you. Let's go on. Verse 9 The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If any one of you uh, or of your descendants is unclean through touching a, de- a dead body or is on a long journey, he shall still keep the Passover to the Lord. In the second month, on the fourteenth day at twilight, they shall keep it. They shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it until the morning, nor break any of its bones, according to all the statute for the Passover they shall keep it. But if anyone who is clean and is not on a journey fails to keep the Passover, they sh- that person shall be cut off from his people because he did not bring the Lord's offering at its appointed time. That man shall bear his own his sin. And if a stranger sojourns among you and would keep the Passover to the Lord according to the statu- statute of the Passover and according to its rule, so shall he do. You shall have the one statute both for the sojour- sojourner and for the native. Now, Again, I love this section because it deals with people who desire to observe the Passover, Passover even though they, they knew that they had been disqualified. They, they knew it. That's why they came to Moses. They still asked the question, Hey, how can we still observe that which God commanded? How can, can we still come in and offer ourselves to the Lord? This speaks volumes of their hearts and where they were in their relationship with the Lord. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they weren't the only ones that that were in this boat. They weren't the only ones that were in this place where they were disqualified from observing the Passover on this day but what we see here is that they seem to be the only ones that asked and i'm sorry to say but nothing's really changed many people today would use their disqualification as a reason to not participate you know basically here's a day that we could just take off without any real obligation to to god just it's it's a day off because they knew very well that they could not approach the holy things of god while they were unclean according Leviticus, or they would be cut off from the people of God. They, they knew the law of God. Up to this point, Moses had been communicating to them in great detail the law of God. But they were asking for an exception. They were the very people that needed, you could say, to observe it the most. And they were given permission. Did you catch in what month? It wasn't the first month. It was the second It was the second month. A month later you can. On the fourteenth day at twilight, you can go ahead and observe it. By the way, when you do observe the Passover, it's exactly how it's been commanded for you to observe. One month later you can. You can observe it. Now they had a reason. They were disqualified. Initially, but those who were traveling with the Israelites or were traveling away from home, they were to observe the Passover. Those who were traveling with the, with the Israelites, they, they were to observe it along with them. Um, there was one statute both for the sojourner and for the native. They were both to observe it. If there was an Israelite that was traveling by themselves somewhere else, they were to observe the Passover. They weren't exempt. To not observe the Passover was to bear the punishment of their sin. And that's what we see here. Where there is no acknowledgement of the Passover lamb, death does not escape them and they are cut off. In much the same way, we are today to partake of the lamb of God, that is Jesus Christ. And as we do so, we are passed over by death, as we are forgiven in Christ, being covered by the blood of the lamb, and the wrath of God is satisfied. And this is the remembrance that we are to walk in today of God's love, of God's grace, of his mercy. How it's been extended to us through the sacrifice of the son on the cross. So I think it's a, it, it's a beautiful section to where we see a couple of guys that just say, how can we make this happen? Lord, have mercy on me. Just please let us observe this. And the Lord sees the heart. Verse 15, and through the rest of this chapter. On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of of the testimony, and at evening it was over the tabernacle like the appearance of fire until morning. So it was always the cloud, covered it by day, and the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, after that the people of Israel set out. And in the place where the cloud settled down, There the people of Israel camped. And at the command of the Lord, the people of Israel set out, and at the command of the Lord, they camped. As long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. Even when the cloud continued over the tabernacle many days, the people of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was a few days over the tabernacle, and according to the command of the Lord, they remained in camp. Then, according to the command of the Lord, they set out. And sometimes the cloud remained from evening until morning. And when the cloud lifted in the morning, they set out. Or if it continued for a day and a night, when the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether it was two days or a month or a longer time, that the cloud continued over the tabernacle, abiding there, the people of Israel remained in camp and did not set out. But when it lifted, they set out. We get the point, right? We get the point, definitely. Verse 23, at the command of the Lord they camped. And at the command of the Lord, they set out. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by Moses. Where you go, I'll go. Where you say, I'll stay. What you say, I'll do. I mean, it's, it is quite simple. It is quite simple. The heart of a man or a woman who loves the Lord should be completely given over to the point to where we say at every moment, I just want to be with you, God. Wherever you are, I want to be. That's where I want to go. If you move, I move. If you stay, I'll stay. I just want to be with you wherever that is. On the day that the Tent of Meeting was assembled, God blessed it, and he filled it with his Shekinah glory. It's absolutely amazing. He filled it in revealing his presence in this manner that's described here. A pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. Beautiful. And I thought about: Wouldn't it be comforting to see that today? Would God's Shekinah glory be revealed to us? That is, are we willing to do the very thing that the Israelites were called to do at that at that point in that day? Because, of course, we say, well, the manifestation of the Lord in this way would be absolutely beautiful. It would be glorious. Imagine, those are God's people. By night, they are guided by this pillar of fire. By day, there's this cloud that covers them, and it protects them. And that's God's presence. And we know that when the Lord moves, they move, if he stays, they stay. It would be it would be comforting to see the presence of the Lord even if it was in this manner, right? The fire by night would allow the Israelites to see. Fire keeps you warm too, right? It's just this fire that bring brings great comfort. And a cloud by day would shield them from the rays of the sun, reduce the heat and make it a bit more comfortable under the cover of the Lord. The entire 121st Psalm says this, I lift my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. It's the Lord's presence. He's with us. He says He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He loves us with an everlasting love. He is our covering. We are those who are under his wings. And he keeps us. He makes his face to shine upon us. And I want to close with, with a few words here. Because we see here how it was that Israel moved and stayed where the presence of the Lord was. But we also know that this was observed through and by Them looking to Moses. Now, Moses is a a picture of the law, right? But you can say, Moses is is the very word of God, right? As far as the, the giving of the law. Jesus is the word, right? Made flesh. But the one thing, the one that we need to look to always for leadership, where... Where he goes, we go, we're kept under him, that is the word of God. It's the very word of God. It's in much the same way that it is the rule of God's word that should lead us, where we come to know and understand we are to move according to God, we move. Where we are to stay, we stay or we remain. That's why it's important to get into the word of God. We need to. That's why I always, I I plead with you. Please get into the word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Well, here it is before us right here. You want wisdom for the different situations that you're in? Read the word. James chapter 1 tells you that if you ask without doubting, that he will give to you without holding back. It, it's, it's there. He will help you have that peace which surpasses all understanding as you do place your trust in Jesus Christ. As you look to Him, that peace that guards your heart will protect you, will keep you in the Lord, will lead you and direct you. Lean not on your own understanding, right? But in all your ways acknowledge the Lord. the Lord, And He shall direct your, your, your steps, right? Your path. He'll do that. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now I'm speaking spiritually and according to the word, because physically and geographically, in many ways it's inconsequential and irrelevant to the rule of God in our hearts. Because if he doesn't have our hearts, then geography and health and everything else, it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't. It has to be that spiritually speaking, we are kept in Christ and we are walking according to the Spirit, according to the Word of God. And wherever we go, if we're in line with the Lord, we're in the right place. We're in the right place. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed You were called in one body and be thankful and be thankful. So I know we covered a lot, but all of it coming together. It's beautiful as the Levites are given to the service of the Lord. We're seeing how it is that we are to live our lives to his service, all the days of our lives, whether it's hands-on or it's in a place of teaching, counseling, guiding, We see how the Passover is celebrated and we rejoice in the hope that we have in Christ, right? And how it is that the Lord leads and guides and protects as he is with us, his presence is with us. We are indwelt by the Spirit and we are taught, we are given understanding of the word by the Spirit and it all points to Jesus Christ our hope is in him let's pray oh father thank you for the love that you demonstrated to us through your son jesus christ he is our passover lamb he is the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world and so i pray lord that however it is that you spoke to us this evening father that that we would that we would think about that that we would again as i prayed at the very beginning apply these things these truths to our own lives that we would bring you glory and so lord we once again consecrate ourselves unto you we dedicate ourselves to you we ask lord that you would fill us with your spirit and help us to walk in the spirit that we wouldn't allow the distractions of the flesh or the world to come between you and us in our relationship with you. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves once more to you. We thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.